Welcome to the BAMCAM with Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we explore how life and financial well-being are intertwined. We'll look into areas concerning motivation and attitude, financial planning, investing, and much more. Our goal is to empower you with the information and resources you need to help manage your money and strive towards the life you've always wanted. So sit back, relax, and join us on this journey of uncovering your true self and achieving financial independence. Welcome to the BAM Cam Podcast with your hosts, Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hello. How are you two today? We're good. How are you, Wendy? Hi, Wendy. Oh, doing good. Doing good. So what's on the agenda today? We're going to continue to talk about what Allison likes to refer to as adulting 101 and uh, kind of following up. You know, in our previous episode, we talked uh, about uh, the importance of saving and budgeting and primarily as it oriented towards big Large purchases, purchases. Yeah, yeah. for buying a house or for cars, things of that nature. We talked a lot about how interest rates are are really adversely affecting the home buying yes. opportunity. But we're going to continue to reinforce this the saving and budgeting process because we're going to talk today about those curveballs that can come to you in life that are, you know, planning for the unexpected because life can come at you hard sometimes. Yeah. So, and, and you've experienced a couple of those one just recently, but, but, but first early in your marriage, let's talk yeah. about, we've talked about it on previous podcasts a little bit, but yeah. So we've talked about it before, but um, Adrian and I got thrown a real big curveball when we found out that the best and safest way for us to start a family was through IVF, which most people don't have insurance coverage for. But just recently, my car's been in the shop right. for about about a month. And they, um, well, not quite a month, but they 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 told you initially it was going to cost how much? About forty two hundred dollars. Okay. Um, but we've we've managed to bring that cost down pretty significantly to about twenty one hundred dollars. Okay. That's still a big chunk. It's still a big chunk and something that we weren't planning for. And so we're having to. And there's not that much excess in your monthly budget, is there? No, there's not. So, But what we do have is an emergency fund. Correct. Correct. And so that's where we can find that money and it makes it less of a headache. Because you do put money in your emergency fund every month. Yes. Okay. So as part of the living within your means, which mm -hmm. you've heard at least two or three times from me in life. Uh, probably way more, but that's okay. Two or three hundred. <laughs> so th there's, you know, life always comes at you with curveballs. It does for me too. Yeah. And, 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 and we're just never certain for sure what's around the corner, but there will be some things that we don't anticipate that we have to plan for. Yeah. And so it's important when you have that emergency fund, and so tell us a little bit about how you think the best way to build an emergency fund is. I would say start small, okay. set, set reasonable goals. Okay. So maybe it's, I'm going to save $100 this month. Okay. And then the next month, I'm going to save $150. But once you get to that $1,000 mark, you know, you feel really good. You've done something 
So it's assuming someone has zero in an emergency yeah. fund today. And it should be probably a savings account at the same bank where you have your checking that's, account. That's how ours is. Okay. Yeah. And so that it's in a designated place um, for that. And that's something that you do and start small. I know that that many of you may be familiar with Dave Ramsey, who has a radio show and, and talks about financial wellness and, and has a lot of good ideas. And one of the first things in his Financial Peace University is to have an emergency fund of $1,000. You don't do anything until you have an emergency fund of $1,000. Yeah. Um, because most people, many people just don't have that. And so when they have this unexpected expense, what do you think most people do? They probably freak out. They go to credit cards often. Okay. Which is a problem. Yeah. And because then it's hard to dig out of that hole. And the credit card companies are going to charge really, really excessive interest, interest rates. rates if you don't pay off that balance every month. It's important that you have an emergency fund and what the size of the, or the size of your emergency fund varies from household to household. It's really what you feel like is, is important for you and your household. For some people, it might be a thousand or a few thousand dollars. Other households may be more comfortable with it being 10 or $15,000 or even more. Yeah. Uh, for that peace of mind. It's there's no right or wrong way to do that. What's important is that you have that emergency fund so that you don't stress out and freak out when you get a forty two hundred dollar car bill. Or it, it could be something yeah. as simple as your washing machine goes out. Washing machines yeah. are expensive. Or, you know, recently I had a seven hundred dollar MRI. Correct. And, and that was it was not covered under your insurance. Well, that it? was the insurance. Oh, that was the, uh, you're right. That was your uh, copay yeah. on, on it. So yeah. th th that is true. So your copay was, was high from that standpoint. I'd forgotten about that. So it's important in a household that both spouses are on the same page in this endeavor too. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about how you and Adrian talk about this. Well, I don't really know that we talk about it a whole lot, to be honest. Well, I but you have just, a you, you have a plan know. and you do do this. Yeah, we just know that, you know, if I if we're invited to a wedding, I can't go buy a dress and use emergency fund money for that dress. That's not an emergency, you know. Um, a medical bill comes up or a car repair bill comes up. Truly, those unexpected those, those things. are unexpected, and those are we are both okay with that being. But you do budget for vacations and trips yes. also. So it doesn't yes. come out of the emergency fund. Correct. So, uh, from that perspective. So uh, things like you know, traveling, going to weddings or things mm -hmm. of that nature, if it requires a dress or, or something of that nature. Are you getting a new dress for your brother's wedding? Yes. Okay. So I, Don't ask me which dress yet because our, we're months and months away. My son and is getting married in May. And we're very excited about that. And Wendy, you would like our son because he's another redhead. So, oh, okay. So, all, all in the family. Yeah, it's, both of my children have red hair. And so, but we also are very excited about the young lady that he's marrying. And shout out to Lexi. If you listen out here, Lexi, we love you. And we're very much looking forward to you being part of our family. Yes. People that have an emergency fund and they continue to fund it over time, 
eventually that gets up to be maybe a substantial amount of money. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that can be done if you get your emergency fund up to a certain level? So it, you, you've surpassed peace of mind level. Correct. What can you do next? Correct. Well, I think you could take a chunk of that and invest it with us. Perhaps. That's just true. And, and it's not necessarily so much investing with, with us. us. That's not but... the most important thing. It's investing for yourself. Yeah. It might be uh, investing for, for some other project, or it might be for um, investing for retirement, retirement, things of that nature. But it may be also intermediate goals for a bigger house or mm -hmm. something, because what we talked about on the previous episode yeah. is, is the need for budgeting and saving from that standpoint. You need to be able to deal with the curveballs that life throws at you. And then you're dealing with with things like big purchases. So some of the, your more intermediate dreams, like a bigger house or or a new car or something yeah. of that nature can come into play. So speaking of curveballs, a lot of things related to curveball. Your first big curveball in your marriage was going through in vitro fertilization, which was the beginning of a very expensive endeavor, which was parenthood, because you, yes. we just celebrated uh, over the weekend, uh, my granddaughter's first birthday, your your we daughter's did. first yes. birthday. So uh, Laura turned one huh? a few days ago, and she's already proving to be quite expensive. Yeah, well, before she was here, she was quite expensive. Correct. So we learned from the get-go that babies are expensive. And a quick Google search will show you that on average, parents are spending between $1,600 or $16,000 and $17,000 on their children each year. Wow. It's a lot of money, right? You were expensive when you were little. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only karma. Are I, you suggesting this is karma? Well, maybe so. I, I don't know. You know, there, there are huge joys to raising a family and having children, but there are also, it's it's very expensive to have children. And you're right, depending on where you look, it, it they say it could be, you know, 16,000, 17,000, maybe even more, uh, depending on what kind of lifestyle you're living. But the, the children can be the most expensive pieces of the puzzle. Oh, yeah. So the smallest person in the house is probably... The most expensive person. So knows. one of the, the first things that, that parents have to face, particularly if they're in a two-career household, mm -hmm. is daycare. Yeah. And daycare can be very, very expensive. In our market, What you've researched a little bit about daycare. What was the lowest price you saw for, for daycare? Like a part-time Mother's Day out, we were looking at about $600 a month. Okay. But for a full-time all day, five days a week daycare. That was about fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a month. Wow! So it's very yeah. expensive. It's when you were in daycare, huh? Thirty years ago, it wasn't that expensive. Really? Yes, really. I mean, I believe that, but it's just kind of disheartening. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> y'all had it a little bit easier. It it is, and now people that. A lot of people, in my experience, sometimes don't realize that you can convert and pay some of that with pre-tax dollars through cafeteria plans at work and things of that nature. And so if you are paying for daycare and you're not taking advantage of those programs, 
maybe you need to have a financial advisor that can explain to you how to do that. And we certainly can explain to you how to do that. Um, but you need to do that to save the taxation on, on, on that from that standpoint. So baby items. Oh, I could go down a rabbit hole with baby items. Yes. Oh gosh. Baby items are just pricey too. I mean, car seats, strollers, cribs, rockers. Plus, you know, one, changing tables. One thing that's also added to the expense is that my wife, Barbara, has also bought baby items for our house. So Laura doesn't have to bring anything when she that's comes true. to our house. That's true. You know, I think back on my pregnancy days and I think mom had filled your house with more pregnancy items, more baby items than I had by the time I was like 25 weeks pregnant. Probably. Because I think I put a lot of that on hold well, to our history. Yeah, you were you were kind of holding your breath a little uh-huh. bit, nervous having, because it, it's with your experience with an ectopic pregnancy and then also another misfire. And then, and mm-hmm. so that was so, that was difficult. And so you were very anxious till you got closer to the finish line. Yeah. So one of the things about pregnancy is you can budget out over 40 weeks. Some of those big ticket items. Right. I I didn't do that very well. Um, so it ended up you're buying most of it in the last trimester. And and that was a budget wrecker for sure. Okay. Um, don't recommend that for most people. Did that stress out Adrian? It stressed both of us out. Okay. To see those credit card purchases come in. It, okay. was, it was a lot for an already very stressful situation too. It's stressful to be pregnant. Right. True. So. True. So one thing that I'm amazed is with with babies today, the amount of, uh, I mean, the technology behind car seats and strollers and high chairs and, and everything. A lot fancier than what we had 30 years ago when I was a baby. It is. Yeah. And, and, when, and when I was a baby, I, di- I didn't even have a car seat. So they didn't even have car- <laughs> they cars. Just, they just... Most cars you in the back seat. Well, good luck. When I was an infant, most cars didn't even have seat belts. So amazing how it, far we've come. <laughs> it, it is amazing, but it is what a lot of that technology has done is made things more expensive. Mm-hmm. But also, there's a wide range of. I mean, you can you can spend five thousand dollars on a stroller if you want to. If you want to, it's out there. Yeah. So the other day I was talking with one of my girlfriends about this and there's a really lovely baby store here in town that has um, some very high end luxury baby items. And um, a couple was, she saw a couple in there registering for their baby registry. And the husband referred to the stroller that his wife had selected and said, honey, that's the Mercedes of strollers, but we're Honda people. And my, okay. they, they drive a Honda. Drive Honda, apparently. <laughs> and my friend told me everywhere that they went in that store, whatever the wife touched, he reminded her, we're Honda people. Oh. We're Honda people. Okay. But, you know, it, you can splurge on these baby items. And the marketing to new moms, especially, I think feels really icky to me because the marketing out there, it makes you feel like if you aren't splurging for the $5,000 stroller and you're only getting the $400 stroller, you're doing your baby a disservice because you're getting something that's not as safe. Do you think there's an implied guilt that's 
applied just kind of psychologically? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. And, and I really struggled with that, especially with things like car seat, stroller. Well, um, well you don't want to sacrifice. Mattress. You don't want to sacrifice safety. You don't want to, but you know, most products that are on the market. They're regulated. Rigorous testing. Right. And so you still really need to step back and say, what can I afford? Right. And if you can't afford that $5,000 stroller, don't buy the $5,000 stroller. There are great strollers on the market that are $400. Well, and I will tell you, I was real proud of, of my wife, Barbara. The stroller and car seat we bought, we bought used. Yes. And, and it was a whole new experience for mom. It was. <laughs> it was. But but we bought a, a, a high-end product for I think what about 50 cents on the dollar that was like new. Yeah. And it was a a, a wonderful, wonderful purchase and it served us very and well. It's been great. And, and, it and it's like a, well. it was like a 2018 or 2019 model mm -hmm. of a of a high-end yeah. um stroller and car seat set. Is that a set? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Kind of, it's all like a travel a system. system. Yeah. And um, but we got it for for literally about half what what new would be. Yeah. And it was in like new condition. It was very yeah, it was great. Well kept. And and so we we felt like we got a really good deal on that. So as kids get older, it's not just baby things. And it's not just daycare, so, it's other activities. Well, you're going to have, you know, perhaps after school care, but you also may have dance lessons and sports teams and sports lessons and maybe coaching. And and, and, and my brother was a travel soccer player, traveled on the club team. And correct. that was a lot of. And we traveled quite extensively. Yeah. You, you traveled a long way. <laughs> with us and 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 um so it was an opportunity to 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 travel and do that and it was a lot of fun but it was expensive uh to do that so anyway it it's having children is expensive it requires going back to budgeting and saving and not just going at life willy-nilly yeah. it, it all requires that and so and then eventually they start driving so yeah you know i, I know you have a hard time wanting <laughs> to think about laura driving but it's just 14 or 15 years. And so I'm probably going to blink and it'll be here. It goes by. It seems like it goes by fast. Yeah. And, and you have to do that. And so then in many cases, most, many children will want to go to college. Now I don't, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of talk today about whether or not all children should go to college. I think 15 or 20 years ago, the expectation was is that most most young people would go to college, but there's a lot of opportunities to learn trades in other other areas uh, today. But but college is expensive. Yeah. Do you remember when I was teaching math at Spain Park High School? I do. I did a project with my students where they had to go to college and take out a loan. So they had to plan for four years of college at their dream school, whatever it was. They had to have room and board. They had to have a meal plan. So they had to research and they had to for research. what that school would cost mm -hmm. and what all would be involved and determine how much that would be. And then how are they going to pay for it? Yes. And I, I would make them take out a loan. Okay. So they'd have interest rates and they'd have to figure out, well, if your college costs $40,000 over four years, 
how much are you really going to end up paying right. when you have student loans for that? Interesting. And most of them came back shocked. Okay. And a lot of them would say, wow, I need to learn how to play volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. What, you know, they wanted that scholarship right away. And even though they may have been shocked, children of that age or young pe people of that age still don't really even have perspective as to how much money $40,000 is or $100,000 is no. or whatever. There's a lot of adults that don't have that kind yeah. of perspective too. But it it is important uh, for people to understand. One thing I always stressed with you and your brother is to help us along the way. We expected y'all to, to not... We didn't set an expectation that you couldn't achieve, but we wanted you to do the best you could do and to mm -hmm. make grades. And both of, of you and your brother earned academic scholarship money at, yeah. at your respective schools. And that was very helpful. And we were grateful for that. But part of that was also made you take ownership of part of that college experience mm -hmm. and that it it was something you earned and didn't take necessarily for granted. I think that's a really good idea when, when children can't have the capability of performing that those expectations are set. Say, help yourself, help yeah. me, and, and help us to be able to deliver the best college experience for you that you can, you can have. So parents that are planning for college really have several different opportunities where you can save. We, you know, we have established a college fund for, for Laura yep. and she is, you know, a year and a week old. Uh -huh. And so, um, and, and so she already has a nice head start on that, but since college is at a minimum, a state school, four years at a state school is going to be a hundred thousand dollars or more. Private schools can be mm -hmm. substantially more than that. It requires some planning ahead. So the most common form of, of savings is what? A 529. Correct. And those are administered. There's a different plan in every state. Each state af affiliates with uh, a provider for a 529 plan. Um, in Alabama, it's the College Counts 529 plan. And in Alabama, for contributions made into the plan, you get a state tax deduction for what you put in for off of your state income tax. So it, so essentially, for every thousand dollars you put in. The incremental tax, maximum incremental tax rate in Alabama is 5%. So for every $1,000 you put in, you save $50 by put, uh, for putting into that plan. So, and many other states have a, a tax Similar. savings, something of that, that benefit. Uh, the money comes out tax-free, it grows tax-free, and when used for education ex expenses down the road, uh, those are the most popular types of, of plans. You also have a couple of other ways that people can save. One is just a, an account for the minor. Yeah, an UGMA or an UTMA right. account. And that depends on the state you're in, yes. how, what, how, the, how a bank or, or savings institution sets those up. And that's where you have uh, a custodian and the account's in the child's name. And the when the child reaches majority age, the money becomes theirs. Yeah. So there's less control over that than a 529 mm -hmm. has uh, from that standpoint. Then you also have Coverdell. Coverdells used to be much more popular 
but they're really kind of old and antiquated now because you're only limited to $2,000 per year that yeah. can go in there. So it's hard to get much traction mm -hmm. into a Coverdell to, to do that as your primary vehicle for savings for college. There's, you know, I don't want to discourage people that may be behind and, and let's say you have a 14 or 15 year old and you haven't saved because there are opportunities to go to college for deserving students mm -hmm. through and through student loans, parent loans that are guaranteed issued by the government and they can be used and, and there's, to do that. There's student financial aid opportunities right. too, like the FAFSA and right. things um, based on need. Mm -hmm. And the more expensive the school the more likely an, an average middle-class family might qualify for some of that financial need aid. Yeah. So anyway, those are, are areas that as far as raising children, it, it continues all the way. It's about a 20 to 25 oh, year and endeavor. And it goes past college to, to adulthood and, <laughs> and beyond grandparenthood next. That is, that is true. That is true. But it somehow, it's, it it's, there's more joy. Time. There's more joy in your heart when you're a grandparent. <laughs> so, <laughs> not that I didn't have joy in my heart as a father. I know, but I know what you mean. Nevertheless, so the, the bottom line, it still comes back to living within your means. Living within your means and having some discipline. Both spouses mm -hmm. being on the same page, having a game plan, and working together as a team. Yep. That's when it works best. Yep. 100% agree. So anyway, that's what, what we wanted to talk about today. Living within your means. It sounds like no fun at all. I know. <laughs> Wendy, we've only mentioned that on about half of our podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be important when it comes to this adulting thing that you keep referring to. <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. Okay. Uh, so how can we get in touch with you guys to find out more about what you have to offer? Well, we we have launched a new website, which we're very excited about. Right. Um, and we've we've talked about our, our endeavor in previous episodes, Eater Financial Wellness, and it's I-T-E-R. Uh, but we now have our official website launched, and that's at eaterfinancialwellness.com. And again, that's I-T-E-R. And just to remind everyone, eater is the Latin word for journey or pathway. And that's what we want to help people on, their journey or pathway to financial wellness. So so that, so that, our new emails are allison at eaterfw.com. And mine is jack at eaterfw.com. And your cell phone, Allison? 205-504-9868. And mine is 205-613-4994. All right. Thank you both. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Bandcamp Podcast with Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano from RFG Advisory. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at rfgadvisorywealth.com slash Jack Burnett or give us a call at 205-510-9072. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. 
It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable, however, neither our guest nor our FG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG. A registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC Registered Investment Advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.